Welcome back to episode 171 of the Blockrunner podcast. Here is where we discuss the latest developments in cryptocurrency while we make this new technology relatable to you. You can watch this podcast on our YouTube channel to follow along with our discussion. As always, I'm your host, William, talking with your co-host, Iman, and today we interview three Metaverse OGs to discuss the latest on the Metaverse on Bitcoin. Here are some of the topics we discussed today. First up, we introduce each of the Metaverse OGs and how they got into the Web3 space. Next, we discussed our history and experience building in the open metaverse over the last few years and apply that to Bitmap. Then, Jin explains how they built a massive variety of open source technologies to enable developers to expand on their work. And finally, what is their opinion of the Bitmap ecosystem? All right, let's listen in. Welcome back to episode 171 of the Block Runner Podcast. I'm your host, William, always here with your co-host, Man. What's up, dude? And on the sticks, we got TJ. Hello. And we're going to be doing something different today. We are in the metaverse, and joining us today, we got Jin, we got Morph, and we got, who else we got? Uh, Rustan. Yeah, how All do right. you pronounce your name, Rustan? Before, we called you Rustin, but apparently- You it's nailed it. You Rustan, nailed it. Rustan. Rustan. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. I mean, it's actually like Rouston. Like, there's like a French <laughs> twang to it, but I say it wrong. Okay, I cool. Say <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a few of us joining. We got Sea Searcher Dahlia, part of the team. She's here with us. TJ, the producer. TJ, of course. Um, I'm kind of showing the, the different cameras. And if you're listening to this podcast, definitely check out our YouTube video. We are yeah. visually in the 3D space. You're going to want to check this out. Yeah, this is as. This is as on brand as it gets for us, pretty much. Like yeah. we've been wanting to do something like this for a long time. So thank you guys for, I guess, setting up the right foundations for all this to even happen. Like this is really cool. Yeah. So that's a good segue to kind of talk about like why we're here, mm-hmm. how we got together, and uh, why this conversation is extremely important for the Bitmap ecosystem. On screen, we're even showing the, uh, what is it, Bitfeed Live. Mm-hmm. By the way, this is all happening in HyperFi. So Correct. If you didn't Shout know, out Ash. Correct. Um, all right. So Rustan reached out to me. He was like, hey, guys, I see this bitmap thing you got going on. Mm-hmm. You need to uh, you need to talk to Jin and Morph and um, and and talk about like, you know, bitmap and why they need to, you know, see what it is and why you need to like hook up with these guys. And so we got into the chat. We've known Jin for a little while. I mean, we got into Decentraland 2019. Jin was part of that ecosystem early on as well. And, um, and so finally we get to the talk and, you know, more importantly, uh, the experiences that everybody on this call and in, in the virtual world right now are going to be important to actually building out the bitmap ecosystem. So thank you guys for joining us and, uh, and yeah, let's, let's kind of talk shop and really talk about like how, you know, what bitmap is and why it got so, so important. Yeah. I guess first, can we, uh, <clears throat> let's get a background, I guess, on everybody who's uh gonna talk here today i mean our audience knows us pretty well like what how did you guys get involved in the metaverse space was it pre web3 pre mark zuckerberg pivot announcement yeah post whatever like what what is it that keeps you guys motivated right because we're here in the depths of like the deepest despair points of the yeah. bear market right and we're all still here we're all still building right. so like what is what is it that's motivating you guys to continue on if it's all right, I think it's cool if I go first because that, that'll help segue into the other guys. 
Mm-hmm. Basically, in March 2021, I, I bought into the Beeple NFT craze, started selling NFTs. Mm. Within a month or two, I was invited to show uh, my work into Central Land in a gallery. Mm. Uh, long story short, it blew my mind. Uh, I saw I immediately saw the potential versus what I'd been experiencing for over a decade in the real life gallery scene. Mm. And so I, I ended up for months uh, selling dozens of NFTs and made enough money to buy my own parcel into Decentraland. And on October 29th, 2021, I opened my gallery in Decentraland, which was the day that Meta was announced. Mm-hmm. And it, it uh, 1,800 people showed up to the gallery in Decentraland Damn. that week, which, uh, which topped my best solo show in real life, which was like 500 people RSVPing to my show. And, and so I, I, I never thought I could top that, that real life show. And in a day I did that in Decentraland. So I was hooked. I was completely hooked, dove in deep, spent months, have a huge place in my heart um, with Decentraland. <clears throat> like you guys, I understand. And, uh, but I didn't limit, limit myself to that. I continued to explore every other platform out there because nobody knows the future of the metaverse or how it's going to end up, if there's going to be a preferred platform, if there's going to be interoperable multiple platforms. So I made sure to, to, to be aware of everything. And uh, earlier this year, uh, Morph was vocal about HyperFi. And that was one that I hadn't explored yet. And so I, I jumped into that, saw them do a VR interview similar to this one. And, uh, and it blew my mind same way that the gallery first blew my mind into central and and then I dove in on hyperfi and hyperfi in my opinion is the best platform currently today mm-hmm. uh, it, it enables users to, to build and create without even using coding it's just mind-blowingly good smooth and uh, easy to use and uh, and then I learned about bitmaps and I became a, a, part, a member of the m3 metaverse makers which which Jin is like co-founder of I believe and morph is very, is a big part of it morph is the one who, who invited me to apply to become a member of m3 metaverse makers and so I sit sit in their little discord like a little wallflower <laughs> just completely blown away by the like what's being shown and shared it's it's like to me it feels like the illuminati of the mm. metaverse creation create it's just like <laughs> yeah. powerful masterminds preparing for the future and building things that nobody has really seen yet you know and mm. people think they've seen stuff but they haven't seen it the way that that jin has been presenting it and and i got to learn about jin's history and was just completely blown away and so when i when i started to uncover bitmap through your podcast and obviously i was paying attention i'd actually been following your youtube before you started doing bitmaps and i I just immediately learned about it as soon as you started posting about it Mm -hmm. i saw i saw the potential in that tremendously obviously nobody knows who's right who's wrong but i it just felt like i had to connect all these great minds together you guys jen and morph so that for, for in my selfish way, it's just to better understand the, the total potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and by the way, Rustan is a very successful artist. Definitely, we'll put all the links in the description, but he's got a very successful YouTube channel as well. Um, so I really appreciate that, Rustan, for putting us uh, together and, um, and talking shop because uh, building out the metaverse is a complex thing and it's going to take um, a collaborative effort to do so. Correct. At a mass scale. So yeah. I guess this is a good, like, it's, well, I mean, there's been attempts at this before to try and, I guess, galvanize 
uh, collaborative interests. You know, everybody's in the same boat. Yeah. <laughs> so we definitely all need to contribute to that. But I, hopefully this conversation like it serves, if, if anything, at the end of all this, it serves as like an example of like what needs to be done. Everybody has their own like specialties, right? And every if you're a dev, even if you're a non-dev, everybody has something contri- to contribute, right? Yeah. Whether it's uh, awareness or education or building culture, building any kind of value, right? Obviously, it always starts with the developers because, you know, For sure. that's the foundational level. But all of us are involved one way or another. So, yeah, if you're really interested in this metaverse stuff after this conversation, definitely, uh, I guess, seek us out because we literally live and breathe this stuff. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and we have been for many years now, so we're not going anywhere. So we want this group to... Hopefully one day turn into hundreds of people yeah. <laughs> and hundreds of devs, everybody working towards the same goals, you know? Uh, Morph, you want to give us uh, your background? Yeah, sure. Um, cool, yeah. So, I mean, I kind of joined a pretty similar time to Rustam with uh, Decentraland. And, uh, you know, really, for me, it was just a question of, like, I've always really valued, uh, like, developer environments that let people produce content. Um, so, you know, Gary's mod uh, kind of comes to mind there. and. Roblox and Second Life and all these things, um, but I always found them like really subpar because they didn't kind of have that underlying uh, like either governance or like monetary system, and so it was really difficult to use online, right? Like I remember I sold a RuneScape party hat one time for like a decent amount of money, and I had to get the guy to like wire transfer to my real name uh, for, through like some sketchy bank system, and yeah, it was just awful. Uh, and then when I came to Centraland, you know, I saw them like solving all those problems and like actually building connected systems that kind of uh, did that for the users and uh, yeah, it really made me want to jump in. And then I learned about, you know, avatar interop and I was like, okay, I got to get on board with this. I got to get my own avatar, something unique and I got to rig it, get the Vistami so I can kind of come in the metaverse and actually like experience it properly. Uh, and that was how I met Jin uh, in M3. And uh, ever since then, I mean, it's just been a, a wild ride of like seeing what is possible and then, you know, trying to leverage uh, other people's work, right? Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider myself like an on the ground foundational builder. I'm not out there building a lot of this like metaverse libraries or anything uh, but i consider myself like a user like a first uh, effect user where like you know i'll leverage all those systems and bring them together to kind of like create my own content and, and i hope that adds like value in its own way as well um so yeah i'm just really excited to be here because i mean i love bitcoin and i love the metaverse i uh, like they're both really important to me for different reasons uh and so i'm kind of keen to like learn how those two mm. overlap and like and like yeah. where that overlap is and and also like how uh, you know, for me, like I see Bitcoin as like the most expensive slash valuable block space. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think it's gonna be a really interesting conversation about like, is this the most valuable land? Uh, but then on the other hand, you know, like Ethereum has a lot going for it with like smart contracts and stuff. Yeah. Uh, maybe this is, maybe this is the use case that finally brings uh, smart contracts to Bitcoin. Uh, I don't know. I'm just yeah. just getting involved here now. Yeah. But yeah, I'm so excited to learn. So thanks for having me, guys. No, I appreciate it more. If I, I think you're right. I think there's a there's a pretty good chance that we have smart contracts brewing on top of Bitcoin. It's going to be a little <clears throat> a little different, from different like a mechanistic yeah. approach. But as far as like the end game utility of whatever it is, it ends up becoming that standard of um, of like functionality enablement on Bitcoin. It, it, I don't think it's going to be like a, a solidity type of like a virtual machine. Maybe something different. Yeah. But nonetheless, like the whole goal is to bring about as much robust functionality because the value of Bitcoin is tremendous, right? So like yeah. the effort or the, 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 the mission of that is it's, it's worthy of an endeavor. Right? Yeah, 100%. And there are people working on that. And uh, same thing with the metaverse prospect, right? The metaverse, especially one that is not anchored to like a 
centralized organization, it's worthy of an attempt. Yeah. Right. Which is why we're seeing it proliferate on the Ethereum side of, you know, and other chains like that as well. But what more valuable proposition than to bring that to, I guess, like the most OG of blockchain ecosystems, mm-hmm. the most secure, the most highly yeah. distributed one and the most valuable. Right. So that, that is, I guess what you're seeing as far as like opportunity and like interesting verticals, that's what got our attention too. Yeah. And like, you know, before we were just natively interested in ordinals because like, dude, people are building stuff on Bitcoin, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's cool. Yeah. But then out of nowhere, we, we found this first attempt at standardizing like an infrastructure layer for the metaverse yeah. on Bitcoin. <laughs> we didn't even see that on Ethereum. Right. Right. So that is like, this is too interesting, right? Yeah. We can't look away at this point. It was a no brainer. Yeah. So yeah, we definitely want to talk to you guys more about this. See if you agree. All right, Jen, uh, your background. Yo, um, yeah, I've been um, in the crypto and VR space since early 2010s. Uh, got into crypto um, through mining and building my own mining ma- machine. And before mm. all of that, you know, I was interested in peer-to-peer and decentralized technologies, um, working on wireless mesh nets and got into virtual worlds as well as a you know, just growing up in RuneScape and playing MMOs. Um, so I quickly grasped some of the concepts that was happening and the value in terms of um, this new infrastructure. And I really want this stuff to work from a sense of, you know, the the stuff that we're building in one platform that it can be useful in others. And I've been kind of obsessed about how we can connect these virtual worlds together into a intranet of its own. Um, you know, because I think the metaverse is about the connective tissue, the in-between technology, um, uh, kind of like how the internet used all these protocols to have computers talk to each other and all these different devices. So pretty involved in standards groups and open research and finding ways to um, connect these worlds. And in the crypto scene, I think that there's a lot of interesting incentive structures with how uh, crypto artists are sort of making things that uh, they display in these various worlds platforms yeah. but then um, a lot of it's all built on open file formats and it's evolving from 2d art into more 3d game dev art and uh, wearables and avatars and um, i do a lot of stuff uh regards to avatar interoperability okay. wearable interop um those things are i mean the most portable is literally on legs you know walking in between so thinking about how to kind of um uh yeah just connect makers together between all these worlds so that we can create more trading posts and more uh ways that we can align into something greater some of its parts but Pretty, uh, yeah, all over the map because, I mean, metaverse stuff is just involving all kinds of technology, but mm-hmm. um, really bullish on open tech stacks, you know, like WebXR and things that you can own everything from even self-hosting it on your own hardware. You know, when I got into Bitcoin, we had the whole chain uh, on our wallets. Mm-hmm. And I feel that nowadays so much of that is abstracted away and even down to like the hardware itself, it was like 
we had this machine that was powering a decentralized network, you know, in our homes, in our, you know, powering us, heating our rooms during the winters. But it was like a constant reminder you're part of this decentralized uh, network movement. And seeing other people's mining rigs and whatnot, that was pretty inspiring. But now, um, yeah, it doesn't feel that tangible. So um, I do some stuff involved with digital physical wearables as well for avatars so okay. maybe that could be a way to onboard in but uh yeah and um, m3 was mentioned it's kind of like a homebrew metaverse club um and it's all sorts of devs across uh vr ar open source ai um chatting every day uh, kind of like a hacker space mm. Did you know that we're more than just a YouTube channel? We also built Mscribe, the first inscription platform built from the ground up for the metaverse on Bitcoin. Connect your bitmap ordinals and use our tools to bring your community into the virtual realm. Support us by joining the movement at mscribe.io. Like, comment, and subscribe for the latest alpha. Back to the video. So who started M3? Started back in 2019 um, between me, Avier, and Chris who we were just chatting. A lot of web experts, devs kind of find each other because we're all building on the same substrate. And so it just kind of like aligns more between um, people building 3D web tech than say native VR developers because they're usually going through like an app store mm -hmm. and there's no like incentive for them to want to collaborate so much with each other. There's no, you know, way you can hop from their app to another ones and that's like leaking users anyways um in their world but uh yeah we um we just met up and then we just started to uh, host events like uh lightning talks and um the whole vibe's been like teach learn build for a while but we have all of our research uh posted on github and um we still continue to build out stuff there. I uh, just had a demo day last weekend where five people gave some really interesting talks. Mm, okay. Did you know that we're more than just a YouTube channel? We also built MetaZone, the first app store for the metaverse. Buy, sell, and explore a new class of digital assets like our flagship game Rovi.ai. Support us by collecting your digital assets through MetaZone at MetaZone.io. Like, comment, and subscribe to stay updated. Back to the video. So I think for I want. I, I guess I don't want to like, you know, kind of um, constrict this conversation. But I think the main focus should be around like bitmap and kind of like the most efficient way to build out this ecosystem. Because I think bitmap provides us an yeah. opportunity <laughs> here, where like Iman was saying earlier, bitmap was like the first or one of the one of the earlier standards that start at the ground level in the sense that. It gives everybody um, a, a framework to mm. build out their virtual world. Yeah, and yeah. I think ultimately it's that alignment mechanism of that is what right. Bitmap is, right? Where now we have this open canvas framework where there is nothing, there is no yeah. technical infrastructure in place, but there is something underpinning all of the technical layer that can be developed that aligns the entire ecosystem to create a cohesive network yeah. effect, right? That that ultimately the, those are the same types of primitives that exist on the internet, right? On the mm -hmm. web two infrastructure. And that is kind of like what became the inflection point to the internet's development. Yeah. It is aligning 
developers across the planet to contribute to a, you yeah. know, a, a communication network. So we see that bitmap as the same potential inflection point for this metaverse space. Cause yeah, up in our own personal experience, all we've kind of, all we've seen is like a fragmentation of effort. Exactly. Right? Exactly. It's kind of like early internet. Early, everybody was building their own intranets and there, there's a lot of fragmentation. There wasn't a lot of sharing of idea collaboration. Right. So right. To us, bitmap is that opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> I'm boring the hell out of TJ. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we wanted to start, I guess, with that. Bitmap is just like a nice name. Yeah. I guess to that concept of it in itself, right? Um, yeah. So, so Jane, I want to get your take on like what you understand from bitmap. <laughs> Do you see uh, what, what Iman's talking about? Or are we just like, you know, out of, out of the loop on terms of like the standards for the metaverse and, and stuff like that? You know, it's a canvas, that's for sure. But um, it feels like it's pretty early infrastructure. Uh, I think crypto uh, has just in general a lot of potential to kind of marry between um, the UI UX layer with spatial computing. Mm -hmm. So um, anything that can kind of align people to build on interoperable open standards uh, and payment rails will ultimately kind of help to uh, realize this vision of, uh, you know, the next version of the internet. Mm -hmm. But there, it's a pretty, you know, interstitial field with all sorts of disciplines and whatnot. So, the, you know, that's the data layer, but you have a whole bunch of other layers that mm -hmm. um, yeah. are involved in the construction. Like tech stacks, I think y'all wanted to chat about different virtual world stacks that, um, people could deploy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so let's set the stage. So right now there's a little bit over 800,000 bitmaps and every day there's 144 bitmaps that are generated and there's now bots purchasing those bitmaps, right? So in order to beat that bot, you have to outbid that bot. So 144 new bitmaps and there's essentially what's called a blockout every single day. So, uh, but with that, there's roughly 22,000 holders on uh, holding these bitmap assets on top of Bitcoin. And uh, the largest Web3 metaverse right now is Sandbox with 23,000. So mm -hmm. it's neck and neck. It's on its much. way. It's on <laughs> its way, right? Yeah. Um, so having said that, each bitmap is holds roughly 2,000 parcels or 2,000 transactions. And if you do the math, I think um, someone did the analytics and there's roughly 850 million parcels in the bitmap ecosystem. So comparing yeah. that to something that's well known like Decentraland, there's roughly, um, I think, a, hundred, a little bit less than 100,000 parcels. Right. I mean, we're talking about a significantly sized ecosystem of metaverse projects, if you right. will. Yeah, and that in, that in itself is like... That is what is encompassing in, I guess, the original proposition of bitmap theory, right? It is, and then from us, we've kind of extrapolated on the idea of bitmap and ordinals itself and created like our own, an attempt at creating like an understanding of like what is actually happening here. Like, why is this valuable? These, these non-arbitrary mechanisms of spinning up like a metaverse infrastructure, at least an at the architecture level from like a spatial point of view, like where is the spatial allocation within yeah. this metaverse ecosystem right it's not being just spun up out of thin air right the other side has other side is being probably viewed as one of the biggest attempts at creating a virtual environment because of all the money that's being poured into it right. the brand power behind uh, yuga labs and all this but 
what what's actually factoring into the determination of what what is going to be proliferated in their virtual environment it comes from yuga labs itself right there, yeah. there is no sensor meaning behind it it's just yeah spun out of thin air it's arbitrary right so bitmaps is is the first attempt at i guess creating like a non-arbitrary process that we like to refer to as digital matter theory i guess which is the 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 process of applying I guess blockchain data and sourcing that information to something of new digital value creation, right? Is it's, it's a mechanism in itself to where now there's like a non-human component, right? That's right. To generating new digital value. It essentially removes the human factor in decision making. Right. So that's what bitmaps is. Um, so it, it's a it's already done in the sense, like you know, the Bitcoin block information of how many blocks exist and the transactions within them. That is the information within the blockchain that mm -hmm. has been utilized, right? And at this point, the, the introduction of a new space, it's just an autonomous process at this point. You know, it's like you said, 144 new uh, potential environments are being generated every single day, mm -hmm. right? And nobody knows what the transaction outlook is yeah. every single day, right? It's, yeah. it's completely dependent on the human activity on chain. Sorry? Are there any environments um, or like what, right now we kind of see this overview of all the um, bitmaps, I believe. And, mm -hmm. but how do you actually kind of inspect the content that's deployed on any of these blocks? Yeah. See, that is the good, that is the, basically why, you know, we're in this infrastructure period where right? like we're now there's this open opportunity for anybody to kind of like leverage this, uh, this value spatial creation mechanism and like apply new interpretations on top of that. Right. So now, yeah. yeah. Who is going to build the real stack? I guess that where anybody who owns or has access to the ownership of this virtual space can now deploy what it is that what you're talking about now, if we can go in and inspect the yeah. actual substance of this metaverse, right? Yeah. And to, well, so, so that, that, that's a good question. So there's a few people building on top of the bitmap ecosystem. We have Foxy, which we're, we're going to be doing an interview pretty soon. Yeah. Um, and they're building this thing called Bitverse. Mm -hmm. There's another one called, uh, from IMSO Chris bitmap Valley. Mm -hmm. And there's another one called Expector, which came from the XRP community. And I think they've, they've had a lot of the assets that they have. They're just, yeah, they're, they're pivoting and incorporating bitmaps into what they were already building. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so that that's as much as what exists. And I'm sure there's others building out there that haven't been like brought to us, like at least, you know, um, you know, that we've seen, but, yeah. uh, but, but you're right. It, to a large extent, we we need step two, which is what is going to be the metaverse stack. And, you know, part of this conversation is figuring out whether or not a stack needs to be, you know, selected and then used across the board. Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, so my th so I'll I'll tell you what I think is going to happen is, you know, someone like like Jin and, and Morph and, and Rustan, they'll leverage like, like you guys may come up with your own metaverse stack and deploy it on top of bitmap and people will connect to your platform and um and because they believe on on the stack that you've selected right they believe that this is going to be the like the next roblox or the next experience that people are going to to leverage and others would have different opinions and they'll build their own stack and they'll build out what they think is going to be successful mm. um so that's how I see. So these are like different networks sort of forming with within the bitmap ecosystem. I, the analogy I like to use is the one where we have WordPress, 
We have uh, Webflow. These are these are things that you can connect to and connect your domain to build out a website. So you'd be connecting your bitmap to a, an existing sort of like network, if you will, mm -hmm. and then build out your virtual world um, yeah. using that te tech yeah. stack. Yeah, I don't think it looks any different than what you're already familiar with, pretty much. There's yeah. nothing about native to bitmaps or Bitcoin or you know the fact that this is happening on a different chain that's going to feed into like any kind of different, I mean, it could, if somebody creates like a procedural engine to generate, you know, terrain or anything like that based on. Like Hyperfy we're in right now. Ash yeah. has been working on this for like, uh, maybe close to eight years now. Hmm. Um, and I've been working on virtual world stack type yes. stuff for, um, now like a decade. Um, same with other people in M3, but it's like not a easy thing to just launch your own. Yes. It right. is be you know like straightforward to build your own world like in hyperfile you can drag and drop and build a world mm -hmm. but not everyone wants to be a sysadmin to uh you know manage the it's kind of like a website you know it's if you want to launch a website a lot of people can launch websites and i think webflow was a good analogy wordpress too and i'm bringing up on a screen something made by an, a uh, m3 member 30v it's literally Whoa. a plugin <laughs> for wordpress to deploy Whoa. websites <laughs> on WordPress. Dude, that's cool. Okay. And you can so. have an AI powered NPC and whatnot. So, you know, it's not just maybe worlds, you know, it could also be a, uh, you know, inscription for a character mm. or personality or agent, you know, in these worlds. Yeah. That's interesting. So, um, so this is a virtual world happening through your WordPress site. Yeah, it takes like five minutes to set up and um, you can have your own. And WordPress is like deployed right far and wide on the web. So, so there's already a lot of pre-existing infrastructure. And Okay, so I have, a, I have a question for, for you, Jin. So now that we understand like sort of uh, what bitmap is and uh, each bitmap represents like a different set of transactions which represent different potential sizes for the parcels mm -hmm. how do you envision leveraging like let's say let's say you were running this wordpress uh, metaverse site how would you envision incorporating bitmap into into this or maybe it doesn't even make sense to do that maybe it makes sense to like start new and 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 how how does how does your virtual world recognize that, hey, this bitmap has 2,000 transactions versus that bitmap has 3,500 mm -hmm. transactions? How, how do you reconcile that? I think, um, you know, if the documentation on kind of like, in terms of workflows and pipelines isn't straightforward yet, then we have a lot to kind of build in terms of groundwork first for just tooling. Um, like, you can think about, um, it, you know, the question kind of is about almost like user facing things, but I just wonder what the developer facing tools mm -hmm. uh, are like right now, because mm -hmm. it's a bit of a chicken and egg thing going on. So, yeah, there are no tools, right? Essentially for Bitmap, like we're starting new. So the existing tools out there, they need to be uh, adjusted to to recognize the different parameters that each Bitmap has. And so I, I guess you know, one of the next steps and building out those tools, is it ad hoc or is there a grant system for developers to, yeah, like how's the uh, 
ecosystem look for that? No, there's there's definitely no um, grant system. It, it is is literally ad hoc in the sense that people have to first, and and that's really the point of this. Not necessarily this conversation. Our entire podcast, right, is is essentially revolving around this idea of the metaverse. Mm-hmm. And and <clears throat> the 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 main point, or like, it feels like our main existence between Iman and I, and like the existence of this podcast is to identify the actual problems in the metaverse so that we can shed light on those problems and have people understand those problems and then attack those problems. Because for the most part, all this fragmentation we've seen, they're attacking different problems, right? Yeah. Problems that, that you know, we personally see ourselves that are, you know, much more grand mm-hmm. than, uh, than the solutions that are, that are put forth out there. Yeah, one of the biggest ones is for sure figuring out um, development sustainability. That was one of the core yeah. first dilemmas we came across in Decentraland in our experience. It's like, yeah, why is there's this great open world environment? Mm-hmm. It's decentralized. There's an SDK framework to build. Mm-hmm. So how come every time we log in, it's, it just stays green? Like yeah. there's nothing being built. Why are devs not interested in this? Right. And there is a DAO and there are grants available. Right. There's millions exactly. of dollars at, 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 uh, at hand to distribute. Yeah. Uh, you know, as long as the mechanism of the governance is like, you know, Sound. sure enough to ensure it's going into the right hands. Right. So why isn't it working? Yeah. Right. So we've been thinking, we think about this constantly and then, you know, the answer is definitely an elusive one, right? How come, you know, you know, Facebook and meta are having such difficulty doing something with infinite resources. Right. So right. I don't know to us, like, I guess, the idea of creating like a, as large of a decentralized metaverse ecosystem is, is probably like a better best attempt, I guess, at creating like organic contribution. Cause yeah, I think like funneling funds into, I guess the, the right curated hands that hasn't always, you know, worked out, I guess. So it's almost like creating yeah. a, like a, sorry, go ahead. After the meta announcement, you know, like so much hype and mm-hmm. capital flowed into the space. Yeah, and it kind of washed out or drowned out a lot of the uh, voice, the, the OGs, you know, and mm-hmm. savants that have been kind of in the trenches building. Yeah, and um, I, you know, I know a lot of the people that work on open source social VR stacks, and that's kind of like, you know, what the people want. Social is like a killer future for VR and spatial computing. And whenever Zuck posts something about Horizon, he's just being ratioed by people who have been using VR chat and these other platforms um, that have legs in them, mm-hmm. um, which kind of says something about where what people kind of perceive, you know, and like really important self-expression, you know, the, there's like different degrees of freedom that I, I want to bring together between the VR people with, you know, this new canvas for expressing your art and creativity with avatars and worlds mm. um, and the freedom of, you know, being able to um, transact without middlemen um, through what a lot of the people in the crypto movement believe. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, to build a metaverse that's worth living in, we need to bring these two sides together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has uh-huh. to be a self-host, you know, down to their own hardware, in my opinion. Mm. Go ahead, Morph. Uh, one thing that the central has been doing uh, that it was kind of interesting is they're moving away from this idea of like the map, right? Like this overworld and moving mm-hmm. towards like namespaces. Yeah, um, true. Which I think is 
it's like a really interesting idea because you know it's kind of like lowering the barrier to entry uh and i think that's to your guys point like you can't just give people a bunch of money and expect them to build something you you need to make it like really easy for them to build and, and like they'll pick the place to build on that is like the best for them right which is always like subjective but most of the time that comes down to like what's going to make them have like the easiest time and like the the most interoperability and like features they can add and things mm-hmm. um which is it, one reason i'm kind of nervous about the the bitcoin kind of metaverse spaces is it almost feels like it's, it's too valuable right like a bitcoin block space is so expensive and and sought after um and then when we kind of look at it from like an overview it's very similar to like uh, like ens i guess where you have like a, a set kind of like name i guess we'll call it like a block number is your name and then you have like subdivisions and mm-hmm. sub names and, and you can use those and at the end of the day it's really just a definition of like who owns what yeah. uh, and gives you the right you know on some system to deploy uh correct and That's so right. I, I think it's really cool that like bitcoin's exploring this because it is going to push that stuff forward but unless you have that kind of grant system i think it's gonna be really hard to find um like open source dev here because it yeah. is going to be like a slightly higher barrier to entry, right? Mm-hmm. Thousand percent. Yeah, and you've you definitely identified what we interpret as like the perfect value add that mm-hmm. bitmap. I guess the identification system represents. Yeah, and um, we 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 have a we we already see a way we can leverage that with MetaZone and Meta, you know, content distribution layer itself, right? Like the app layer is what we like to call it. You know, we we took advantage and leveraged Decentraland natively as our beachhead to kind of like prove that concept out that we can develop, you know, functional high grade application uh, within the metaverse space, as long as all the right, you know, technical components exist and all the right, you know, um, distribution channel pathways exist. And they, they do, they do exist natively in Decentraland, right? They do. Yeah. Not necessarily from Decentraland to anywhere else. Now that's a different problem, right? That's, that's something else. So the fact that bitmap does exist and the scale of it, it allows for, I guess, different interpretations as, you know, as far as different tech stack deployment grounds, as long as that underpinning ID system still remains with, you know, is integrated and remains, I guess, preserved. Part of the foundation. Yeah. Right. Of any tech stack that is applied on top of it, whether they're, you know, different functions or whatever, right? Like MetaZone and Metas and our applications have a place to deploy and they can all still communicate with one another, right? So that we see value in that. Right, because as opposed to waiting around for somebody to come up with like a, I guess like an abstraction concept where you know all these different fragmented silo metaverse ecosystems, in order for them to I guess interoperate and intercommunicate, we need that abstraction layer, right, to mm-hmm. enable apps to like I guess be cross deployable. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like we see we see a framework to build that that infrastructure from the get go, as opposed to kind of like dealing with the the silo problem. And then figure, waiting for somebody to develop that on top of it, right? So, um, and, an example, right so here, by the way, was, sorry, there was something that I I just I figured out like um, a couple weeks ago. Um, I stumbled on this video about Horizon Worlds. Uh, it was a FUD video um, by. <laughs> There's been a lot of those. Jarvis Johnson. <laughs> right. Yeah. Jarvis Johnson. I spent a week alone in the metaverse. Yeah. I, yeah. I watch all this stuff, positive or negative. Yeah. And this one was specific to Horizon Worlds. And I saw um, what he didn't see um, was with my experience in the metaverse. Uh, I saw, I never got to try Horizon Worlds because I don't have a VR headset. So I, I haven't been able to do it. But what I was watching on the screen as I was watching his video was what looked like an alternate dimension of Decentraland. There is an existing community in mm. Horizon Worlds. 
and it's all in VR. So in a way, they're ahead of Decentraland because they already have VR established. Yeah, they have no legs, but you know that's the way it is with VR. It's hard yeah. to it's hard to, to place legs when it comes to VR positioning, I guess, right? I don't know the technical details. But like, um, you know, people get caught up so much in the media that they don't even bother to try these things out. And to my surprise, it looked pretty cool, you know? And, and, and as Jin said, it takes time. And as Zuck has said, like he doesn't expect to be anywhere near uh, what, what he's envisioning by at least 2025, you know? So it's, uh, I feel like it's important to always remember that, like, um, we we don't know, like we can't judge a metaverse yet by the way it looks, you know, mm. and, and uh, I don't know. Yeah. I'm forgetting what my point was. Mm. <laughs> um, I, I got an example kind of built here because I think no matter what platform you're building on, um, that you at least have freedom to kind of take your content with you if things don't work out and whatnot. And I think a home space like is a really good shelling point for such because it's you know do you own the keys to your own virtual home and mm-hmm. if you don't want to uh kind of stay are you able to at least pack and move and i've got you know this pod that was ported from one platform on cyber and brought into my own on a mm-hmm. ens um domain and that's completely self-hosted um and uh also brought it into a whole bunch of other places, mm-hmm. Voxels, Bubbaverse, um, VR chats over here, and each of them kind of unlock their own kind of new community and features out of the box. So, kind of- yeah, totally. Um, like I've been, my personal mission lately has been connecting to the uh, the PFP NFT communities that I'm a holder of, and and letting them become aware of things like hyperfi and how and vrms and how to mm-hmm. that they should be connecting with with a company like vipe to create their vrm avatar so their holders can bring their owned assets into these worlds and i think that will unlock the metaverse for all the holders at least which will start to unlock it for um, people in the future mm-hmm. So I'm I'm starting to see a, a couple of things that we're we're inherently all recognizing here, um, as as Jin is showing us uh, on Cyber, is we're in Hyperfy and 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 on Cyber is similar in the sense that it's a room, mm-hmm. right? It's one big room, and in that room you can put pretty much anything that you want. And then the the opposite side of this coin is we have things like Decentraland, where you jump into the world and it's not really it's 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 also a room but it's all it's also not just a room it's spaces like it's actual parcels that in in an open environment that you can go and and particularly own and deploy content within what you own Mm -hmm. so when when you guys think of the metaverse uh, are these uh, are these just different experiences or um, do you re- do you think like with bitmaps, like they have they have two options, right? You can you can have a bitmap into like a room, just like we're in right now, or a very similar type of experience where it's it's parcels that are connected to each other that individuals own that they can they have the rights to deploy onto that world. And I feel like this is an important decision that we got to make here in the sense that. You know, if we're going to spend resources building out this bitmap ecosystem, we got to pick one of these two paths, um, you know, because we can't, you know, 
ideally we, we would like to do both but when you yeah. say we who, who are you referring to we like, in general like we as a as a developers uh, all of us as developers like if we're gonna do something on bitmap we we gotta start with is it a room or is it a a world so to speak where mm. in that world people own parcels mm -hmm. that they can deploy content onto those parcels mm. right and so yeah oh, oh were, you, were you no that was it what, what do you think Rustin? Yeah, I've actually, like, since I was a kid, I always had this, uh, this thought in my mind, like, my, my reality, right now I live in California, and I'm just like, all right, I'm here in California, it's gorgeous out, gorgeous sunny, and right now in this moment, something's happening in Japan, and I can't see it, you know, mm. it's not a part of my life, it's like, it, this thing exists, but it doesn't really exist for me, right, and that's kind of the same deal with open metaverse versus pocketverse. And, uh, and I, I really, once I started diving into HyperFi, I didn't care so much about the metaverse, especially because the portals that you can add to your HyperFi world instantly bring you to another pocket burst if you want. But it wasn't until um, driving came around and, mm. and flying and like in CryptoVoxels, you can fly right now all over, all over uh, CryptoVoxels. And mm -hmm. it's like pretty fun. You mm. can't totally do that in HyperFi. So there's, there is value to the open metaverse world and i think as technology continues to expand and things start loading faster and optimization becomes less of an important thing maybe uh like pocket verses will be obsolete you know mm -hmm. um i feel like open metaverse is the way that it okay. should be okay i love that term too pocket verses yeah <laughs> <laughs> i never heard of that one but yeah that's the great way to kind of like I think for sure, yeah. In the beginning mm -hmm. stages, it makes the most sense to kind of uh, introduce, I guess, the idea of, I, I guess, virtual spatial exploration in like these pocket verse experiences. Like it's like a really easy, low hanging fruit, I guess, because of the the nature of where we are. I guess from a technology standpoint, yeah, it's probably our best chance of getting like a, you know, an interested demographic, right? Other than because you know you're competing against. Um, you know, the traditional game space, right? Which they could spin up, they could spin up a, a magnificent virtual experience like at, at will, right? And that people can kind of interact with and yeah. get familiar with. And, and then, and then I guess once they get introduced to the metaverse experience, like right, that's what they're going to reference as their comparison, right? It's like, oh, well, this is nothing like uh, Skyrim. Yeah. Like, well, why Those triple A's though, they cost tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars though. Right, but from the demographic, the user perspective, sure. they're not factoring. Yeah, they that don't in. know that. They don't care. They just care about yeah. like, yeah, what am I doing with my my spatial existence in the digital space? Like, yeah. what, you know, what, what am I getting in return for that? Right. So, yeah, a pocketverse is really valuable to to brands because then you have no neighbors yes. um, ruining your loading. You know, and then, but what I've what I've discovered with Decentraland and Decentraland World versus Genesis City, for example, uh, like I have I have like five worlds that I've built on. I have two parcels in Genesis City that I built on. So I have like the experience between both. And and as as we all know, I think um, the, the Decentraland community is probably the strongest community of any metaverse platform. Mm -hmm. And like you don't generally use worlds that much. You go check it out. Mm -hmm. Maybe someone builds something. Yeah. You have a party there and, and someone goes and checks it out. And then you never go back. You never go back to it really, unless you like consistently pump content out. But people, they, I'm, I'm noticing people would rather be in Genesis City. And that came up in the dialogue last night 
on Beyond the NFT with Sinful Music and Make an NFT with his guest interview. And he was talking about how he wants to own a parcel. And there, there is a build within Decentraland Genesis City called, um, well, I forget what it's called, but it's a skyscraper and you can buy your own condo. Mm, and yeah. uh, and he bought a condo, which was a low entry point fee, and and he has neighbors that he can participate with, and it's his home. And he's like, yeah, I have world, but I want to be a part of this mm, in, in world condo, you know. So there there's something there, and I I had the same feeling with my own worlds, with my five worlds, mm-hmm. and they're cool, they're very cool. But it's like there's something weird about it not being in Genesis City. I I can't put my finger mm. on it, but it just doesn't feel the same. Mm. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree. Oh I, yeah. I, I so so let let's let's go just one small half step deeper in, in the technicals as far as this goes. And here here's here's what I mean. When you own a bitmap, you are a district owner, right? You own essentially two thousand parcels, right? So let's let's say I I sell out those parcels, right? I make you know hundred grand, whatever it is, doesn't matter. But now there's essentially let's assume there's 2000 owners for the 2000 parcels. Mm -hmm. So once that's there, like the district owner needs to decide is like, okay, which type of world am I going to deploy for these parcel owners? Right? Because somebody has to deploy it. Right? So let's, let's assume he makes the decision and it's a, it's a unity stack, right? With a, with a, the SDK that comes out of the box, right? So that means that, you know, it's, it's up to the parcel owners to build out whatever they want within their, their own parcel. But what if in this scenario, the guy who owns the district never deploys a virtual world to begin with. Right. And now these, these parcel owners are left essentially kind of holding the bag, right? There's, they can't really deploy anything. So I feel like we need to offer the two scenarios, right? The district owner actually deploys a virtual world. The parcel owners can start deploying content in in said virtual world. And if the district owner doesn't actually deploy anything, the parcel owners can still connect to something mm. to deploy a pocket verse, mm-hmm. right? To at least not have like a wasted asset just like lingering out there. Mm-hmm. What What do you guys think of yeah. of that? It's kind of it's kind of similar to what we're seeing with other side in a way. If you think of other side as one bitmap, right? And we all have these deeds now. Um, well, some of us have it, right? I have one. I know you have one, Will, right? Or you have, maybe yeah. have more than one. And, and I I don't know what it means to have the deed personally entirely. But Nobody, for does. Me, Nobody like, does. Yeah. I don't care so much about the gameplay or, or collecting vessels and stuff. I don't care so much about play to earn. Mm-hmm. I want my little feed so that I could build something on it. That's right. what, that's all I care about. Right. right now, I feel like I might not even be getting that, you know, mm. which is yeah. not exciting. So, uh, so, so yeah, I mean, that's sort of uh, relevant to your question. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, I think everyone anticipated that this would be like a large open world. Um, I, I guess that that was how it was pitched to a certain extent. I mean, we got, <laughs> got I don't know. They, 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 they pitched also a lot of like, play to earn promises in a time where play to earn was like at its, at its peak. That's true. Uh, and that, that, and then a lot of like outlining of different, like different game components, you know, uh, codas and natural resources embedded within each deed and stuff like that. So it felt like the, the primitive primitives of some sort of game scape, yeah. game landscape. Yeah. 
So I'm pretty sure in the early days of their their architecture and design, there was a lot more like hands-on design that. elements. Not only that, in the middle of that, then yeah. the SEC came knocking on the door. Right. And then they kind of like it's just like, stopped all like, uh, at least in that direction, right? Then we started to hear a lot more things about like MML, a lot yeah. more like open source tooling for people to kind yes. of like build their own stuff, right? And uh, right. Which I think is probably the better approach. Yeah. Right. Is to go down that avenue of it might it might be the only approach for like these large yeah. organizations. Like you can't you can't build for other people, right? Because that's exactly yeah. what Howie did. And yeah. he he basically sold oranges on behalf of parcel owners, right? Land owners. Yeah. And then divvied up the the uh the revenue to those landholders. Mm -hmm. Right. You can't do that, right? I mean you can do that if you're you're undocks right you're anonymous but largely you know you can't right well you, you can't take people's money and then tell them or i guess distribute them something and then build everything out for them in other words yeah. that, that is a it's a it's a dangerous yeah prospect and, so and really that's what it looked like uh the other side was doing until mm -hmm. you know they updated like you have to burn your land or something and mm -hmm. and do all kinds of weird stuff right so it all goes back to full circle open source tooling for developers. And then eventually that's going to lead to tooling for non-developers. Mm -hmm. Right. This is really, that should be the how focus. How long and expensive, you know, did it of a route that they took to finally get back to the point, you know, where we've been building, I just see so much money going into kind of repeating a lot of the same mistakes mm. and, you know, lessons learned of builders on the that we've been kind of like in and working on, you know, open source tooling and um, this other stuff. So it's kind of approaching the metaverse from a pre-hype standpoint, yeah. you know, and mm -hmm. really thinking about how to um, do this kind of in a way to evolve like how the internet and Linux and all these other great projects, you know, emerged organically, not from a financial first perspective. Correct but something first from creation. And there's been a lot of, you know, new interest groups ever since Facebook became meta and other side was kind of also part of that wave. Mm -hmm. And I just see a lot of hype and resources going into these huge plays. And in the 2010s, that was magic leap as well. Mm -hmm. uh, they yeah, raised 3.6 billion to build a consumer facing metaverse. Yeah, that's right. And um, they, pivoted a few years ago to enterprise because it didn't work out, but it's like a lot of, you know, unfortunate reinvention. And I just uh, wish that, um, you know, the development process wasn't so siloed, you know, it should be more like how the open source movement um, fosters free software. And um, crypto brings in some of the alignment um, problem solving tools so that we can fix some of the failure modes of open source development, you know, in terms of funding and incentives for people to work on such. Yes. I feel like that's why we're so interested in bitmaps because that's where all the lessons that we've learned can now be applied to bitmaps, right? There is no like um, single entity that runs bitmap, right? We are, we're all holders yeah. and that's it. There's nothing left. The right? only thing we all need to agree on is like that, I guess the big Bitcoin blockchain data itself is like, it's a good source yeah. of yeah. like an underpinning source for all this. And yet 
I can't I can't see any other uh, avenue to provide us like a better infrastructure, I guess, or foundation just just to get the the wheels moving. Yeah. Right? Now, what those wheels are, and like you know, yeah, what direction we're heading is that that's completely in the open, right? And so we, we have people like you, Jen, and others who I'm sure who have passionately been developing for many, many, many years who can kind of like contribute to this this direction, right? That, that's kind of like what the open call is of the movement right now. It's like, who is going to lead this thing? <laughs> yeah. Right. Cause it is open to that. It is a leaderless movement, right? That's Batoshi Blockamoto was the, instead the, the name entity that kind of like brought forth this, this theory, this idea. Right. But yeah. the community is what actually made it happen. Yeah. Right. The, and will make it happen. Right. Why, why did it all of a sudden, why in two weeks did, you know, 22,000 people claim, ownership of these blocks like you know there's there's no big company here spending money on this marketing right this was as organic as it gets to some sort of like ecosystem in the metaverse right yeah there's no ico none of that right so yeah this is basically what what do we do with this this opportunity is like the real nature of our focus we talk about this every single day yeah and like i said we already have mscribe in the works yeah which is an inscription platform dedicated to like the the bitmap ecosystem right because recognize the metaverse is going to have much more like robust i guess like in comparison to other nfts these aren't like jpegs that are going to be like the main i guess value proposition the metaverse is much more uh complex than that yeah so we need a, a platform to support that kind of complexity so we're working on that and of course metazone how does metazone play yeah you know again the application layer play into an ecosystem with largely without any technology infrastructure. So like no apps can exist at the moment. So what do we have to do? How do, how do we have to step up here to kind of like yeah. underpin that so that we can even exist in the first place. Right. So that's our contribution. Note, and yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say on that note, I mean, just kind of reminds me of like the pocketverse conversation before as well as that depending on how it's set up, you can kind of enable people to, uh, define their own standards, uh, I guess mm-hmm. is like a way that I would put it. Um, like, you know, the, the pocket verse could always be like a decentralized or a hyperfy instance that's just been transmarked to be compatible with bitmaps, right? Um, and then, you know, you can have the overworld. Uh, something really cool I saw in like VR chat was like the overworld was this kind of big build. And as you like entered the hallway of a club, it kind of like seamlessly teleported you into the actual like club instance as like a pocket verse. Um, and I think that kind of like breaking down of like the larger space into the smaller space and the small space is more like self-hosted and self-controlled or, or maybe like get hyperfy to host it, for example. Um, you know, as long as that's like something the user is in control of and they can kind of define themselves, I think that's really powerful. I think uh, when you talk about like metaverse standards where you might get into trouble is defining a standard that that is specifically designed for bitmaps, uh, which makes a lot of sense because, you know, you need it to be running on this platform. But uh kind of in terms of like standards and interoperability, the ones that do really well and, and get adopted are the ones that are like the most interoperable and people mm-hmm. can kind of just take their stuff and reuse it with that same standard. So maybe it's not a question of which standards does bitmaps need to define, but maybe more like how does bitmaps support all these other standards that already exist mm-hmm. and does it have the capability to transmux those into itself? Uh, and if it doesn't, you know, is that like a technological failing of the platform that we might be missing uh, like smart contracts on chain like does that need to be a separate layer and if so how do we decentralize it you know i think you'll kind of quickly get to those questions if you start kind of integrating the already existing formats as opposed to just starting ground up that's such a good point and i think you might be right it's 
who's going to take the existing technologies and who's going to modify those technologies to make it fit within bitmap that way we're not always starting new every single time yeah and um and so i i, I guess ultimately it's just going to be up to whoever's capable who's knowledgeable enough to make those modifications to apply to a bitmap and yeah. and, and see what works right and then there's the question of yeah. oh sorry go ahead uh, uh, yeah, I, this, this, I considered this um, when I was first learning about bitmap, mm -hmm. and I immediately um, raced to Ash and HyperFi, because again, in my opinion, HyperFi is just like the most awe-inspiring platform that I've seen yet, other than now recently Upstreet. Yeah. Upstreet is, is phenomenal. Um, but uh, I immediately started DMing Ash, like, Ash, do you know about bitmap? Have you heard about bitmap? Check it out. Pay attention. Like, again, I don't know all the details about cryptocurrency and blockchain that, that some of the devs know. And he, he wasn't necessarily optimistic about, about mm. the fact that it's on Bitcoin. And I, you know, I don't know what it takes and, and I, I'm not speaking for him. I'm not saying, but like, I, I personally envision like, okay, you created HyperFi on Ethereum as a, a bunch of pocket verses that people can buy as an NFT. You could easily replicate that. Or if, if, came the day that Bitcoin for sure took over as a metaverse standard, uh, you you are capable of putting HyperFi on Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, and uh, I don't know, I, I guess my point is like some devs are not into the idea of Bitcoin. Hmm. I think I understand. There's just not much built right now yeah. for supporting the, such a project. Like I'm not seeing much in terms of tooling um or you know the uh, uh seeing it if, if it's like ethereum versus bitcoin like everyone's going to stay on ethereum because that's where the tooling that's where liquidity in terms of mm -hmm. people buying and selling and goods virtual goods on such is and right now bitmap could maybe find its own place being composable with such but trying to rebuild everything and deploy kind of this parallel um you know entire stack would make it you know pvp and that just like needs strong incentives to you know inspire a dev to like spend their time focusing on such you know and it seems right now it's really early days i don't see mm -hmm. much in terms of apps or tooling mm -hmm. yeah and i think that's ultimately uh, up to the up to us anyone who's who recognizes the opportunity to to build out that uh, that tooling um and really it's just incorporating the 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 number of transactions in a given bitmap mm -hmm. i feel like you you just need to acknowledge that as part of like the, the the foundation of the technology stack right and if you can do that then you know then anything's up up for game you have like an open world or you have pocketverse <laughs> yeah. or whatever yeah, ultimately, this is a lot. It's going to be very dependent on like not not even just bitmaps. This is like ordinals, um, uh, or just how the whole bit Bitcoin ecosystem, I guess, matures moving forward, right? Because even that in itself is is it's extremely early days, right? There's been previous attempts with like Counterparty and other in the past where people wanted to develop applications mm -hmm. on Bitcoin and stuff, and they didn't work out. But this time, this ordinals inception moments is January of this year. Literally, it's 
eight months old, mm-hmm. the, the idea of building for Bitcoin, building on Bitcoin, right? So that has to mature in a sense like right now it's, yeah, it's stuck in the mud in the sense that people have proven you could build fungible units on top of Bitcoin with BRC twenties and they worked that, that became a billion dollar market on almost, almost overnight. Yeah. But it quickly went right back down as quickly as it went up, mm-hmm. right? As, as most, you know, new breakthroughs do until now there's a, an infrastructure period that follows, right? Like how are we going to make this even better, right? We can't just flip meme tokens forever because we need, now we need functionality. Yeah. So. And we also need to recognize like how much of the Bitcoin, the metaverse on Bitcoin needs to be on chain. Right. Because not everything needs to be on chain. The assets do. Right. And and maybe the assets don't necessarily need to be on, on, on Bitcoin. It could be on a side right. chain. It could be on lightning network. Right. And, uh, and it's still, I mean, ultimately it's, it's, well, it's built on top of Bitcoin. Well, my point is my point with bringing up all this other infrastructure beyond bitmap and just Bitcoin in general is because developers aren't going to see the things that attract developers, right? Like liquidity, things like, you know, mm. is there money to be made here? Yeah. If I spend my time and my skill set to develop for this particular ecosystem, where's my ROI? Yeah, 100%. Developers need to think like that because they are very highly valuable humans on earth. So they're not going to just build something if they're not, they don't feel un, almost guaranteed they're going to get something in return mm-hmm. as they should, right? So Bitcoin has a lot to prove in that, in that respect, right? So far, it's very untapped uh, potential, and unlike Ethereum, right? We've already seen multi, multi-billion dollar ecosystems emerge. Hundreds of billions of dollars getting poured into that ecosystem from VCs. Mm-hmm. Like, th- this is a proven ecosystem, right? Yeah, so, up yeah. until eight months ago, Bitcoin was just a buy and hold type of Correct. functionality. So until, like, again, these, these, these devs who are motivated, I guess, or who can maybe, like, extrapolate, see the opportunity beyond, like, right. what exists into today's landscape. Right, right now, the, the proof isn't there. Proof of concept hasn't really hit home. And it's, it's not whenever, like, the broader, I guess, um, reach to all developers isn't going to happen, right? Until then, I understand anybody who's, like, reluctant to get involved. It, it makes yeah. sense. Because yeah. why would you, it's like, why would you build on Web3 when you could build an app for iOS? You know, you got hundreds of millions of customers potentially. Yeah. They're going to download your app. Yeah. Right. That's been the Web3 problem all along. And that's largely why PFPs took off because they saw some PFP projects, <laughs> just a picture project, sell out. And they're like, hey, I can do that. Correct. And yeah. not until that happens that there's, there that has to be the first you know, group or development developers who go in and actually yeah. make an attempt. Agreed. And once that attempt is successful, all of a sudden you're going to see a flood of devs. Right. So that is kind of like the space, I guess, that, that exists at the moment. There, there is that, um, yeah, it, it's, it's not a guarantee, right? It's not a yeah. home run, like guaranteed home run, like building an NFT project in 2021 is right. So it is more like, do you, do you align with the, the ethos of what's being built on Bitcoin with ordinals and, um, and now bitmaps. And if you do like, are you willing to dedicate your, your personal resources to that endeavor or not? Right. Right. And some people will, most will not. Right. But hopefully the ones that do, they'll lay the foundations to bring in like new value creation. That's going to bring in, you know, the, the, the liquidity and the user base that's going to attract, you know, a much bigger developer demographic. So, so, so Jin, are, are, I guess what I'm picking up from you is like, um, from your perspective, there's not enough tooling and technology f- for you to be, um, like, I guess all in building on bitmaps. Is that correct? You were, yeah, y'all were kind of right on the, uh, 
that with just, I think, public goods funding ecosystems, you know, like NFTs could go towards that where a project selling out could then fund open source software, for example, that develops out the ecosystem, the tooling that's required, it gets some money in the devs' hands that aligns them towards that mission. Mm-hmm. But um, in terms of like public goods funding, that's kind of like, uh, seems like a prerequisite to going um, at that kind of space. Mm. Morph, what, what is it going to take for you? What, what sort of development in the, um, I guess, bitmap ecosystem needs to happen for you to go all in and build on top of bitmap? I need to see, uh, I need to see some, some bigger like foundational stuff. Uh, like you guys talk about the districts. I mean, I, I figure whatever district you're in will have a huge, uh, effect on your technology stack, right? Like what your district kind of uses as the technology stack, you'll need to be at least like interoperable with. Uh, and so I don't, I, because I haven't yet like seen an example of that end to end, I'm, I'm really struggling to see like how I could fit in there. Right. Um, mm. I like the idea that it's on Bitcoin. I like that Bitcoin has uh, like valuable block space. And I like that it's like constrained by proof of work because it kind of gives like a real tangibility to your your plot being, you know, like in, in both time and space, it's kind of like solidified, right? Uh, but for now, I mean, that's all it is to me really is like an ENS system. And I think that's really cool. I think it's like super dope that you could point your block somewhere and say like, oh, this block points to like even my website, I think that's like a really awesome innovation. Uh, it's so cool to see on Bitcoin, mm-hmm. but I'm not seeing a full ecosystem where I could actually jump in. Yeah. And again, like I'm not a, I'm not a foundational developer, right? Like I can totally come in and, and use the SDKs and build on top of the SDKs and maybe, maybe have some cool projects there. Uh, but until those SDKs exist, it's really just me looking at a, a, a kind of a blank open slate. Uh, and it would just require too much work for me to jump in. Right 100%. Now. Uh, so once I see people building that, then I can get excited and maybe even like, help build out those foundational mm-hmm. things. Uh, but until some group takes the charge there and there's like end-to-end proof of concept MVP, uh, you know, I think you're, it's, it's, it's all theory, right? And it's cool theory, uh, but yeah. I just need to see a little more before I can like devote time to it and energy. Yeah, I, I definitely agree um, 100% with what you're saying, Morph, because, I mean, I, I guess we can talk about what we're working on. And uh, to a certain extent, it's uh, it, it's it's exactly what we've been talking about. It's It's selecting a stack and and then uh, building an SDK on top of that stack so that developers can come in and build on top of that stack. Now, it doesn't mean that it's going to be the right stack, right? It doesn't mean that, you know, um, and we, we have to make decisions. Like, is it going to be an open world? Is it going to be a client application? Or is it going to be run on, the on you know, just a browser? Like, these are the, the s- sort of decisions that the foundational part of, like, the decision-making needs to happen in order to um, in order to get you know developers like Morph and, and Jin on board, and it's like okay, I'll leverage this SDK and I'll build out you know what I'm thinking is going to work, right? Um, and so selecting the operating system SDK, and then you know the SDK will enable sort of like the app app layer, mm-hmm. right? Because the app layer is where, like, if you look at what happened with the internet, the people who decided the internet uh, standards. They didn't become billionaires, right? It was the application layer, right? Apple, Microsoft, you know, those types of organizations, they, they're they the ones who who built, you know, billion dollar projects on top of the standards. Mm-hmm. So it's the app layer that's going to matter, not so much like the foundational stuff, but foundational stuff has to be right first in order to enable 
that app layer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so that's, and you know, that, that's why I was like really interested in talking to you guys because I wanted to confirm what, what I thought mm-hmm. was needed to be built. And it is that operating system, which gives us the SDK, which allows developers to come in and actually do stuff. Cause not all developers are like foundational stuff, like Morphosane. Yeah, because it's it's really hard to build that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah it takes a lot of commitment and resources and you know time that you could be building something else. Right, that can give you an ROI. Like I said, so it, it makes sense. This is why these infrastructure periods tend to last so long because yeah, it's gonna it's tough to figure you know who is gonna be that that it's this this indie team or organization whatever that that kind of wants to contribute to that level like being part of like his, history in a sense right. Yeah. There is like a hall of fame on of the internet. Apparently, I just learned this recently, and <laughs> yeah, most of is. those inductees are the people who built these infrastructure components. That's right? right. That's right. Yeah, they're not billionaires, like you said. Correct. They're they're the researchers and you know scientists. Most of them, you know, theorists and uh, you know, obviously they're very highly technical. But and, yeah, these and they're are respected. But yeah, you know, but they're not Bill Gates. They're not they're household not. names, like right. you know, like like you're saying, the people who follow them. Yeah. And uh, leverage their offerings, right? So. Yeah, I think that's where we are in the metaverse, like timeline of yeah. history. We're, we're, like, who's going to be those 30, 40 year Hall of Fame inductees of the metaverse, right? Who's going to build the infrastructure that eventually, you know, the next billionaires of the world will build, you know, the apps of the metaverse? Yeah. That, that's how we see it. And uh, yeah. 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 So, so this, and you don't, go ahead. You don't have to necessarily get that um, right. You know, you don't have to like uh, foresee like what is all the standards of open metaverse and like how do we make sure that we get it right the first time. Mm-hmm. It's not always like necessary because I think Decentraland, something they did that was really cool with this whole uh, avatar system is, you know, that VRM like blew up after DCL, right? Like VRM was not like super huge and DCL kind of was ahead of them in the avatar kind of format. And then once VRM got adopted, uh, and if anyone doesn't know, VRM is just like the format that we have for our avatars right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just enables us to do things like the, the mouth movement and the eye movement and have like a interoperable GLD model. Um, so DCL didn't really know about any of that before it happened. Um, they had to take what they had and kind of like transmux it into VRM after the fact. Uh, but because they had made like the right decisions early of just like keeping their standards relatively standardized to what was already popular you know like gld uh, and also using like unity skeletons and like unity engine kind of theory uh, they were able to take that and like really easily put it in this completely different format that is now interoperable and is kind of becoming mm. the metaverse standard um so you don't yeah you don't always just have to get it right but you do yeah. need to have like a certain amount of leeway and have it be open enough that you can kind of come in and like convert it into like other formats yeah. and variants right mm-hmm yeah, and this is a this is definitely a tall tall task uh, because you have to like like more for saying you have to incorporate a lot of these uh, all this experience that we've come up with and and throughout the years and not make the same mistakes again. Otherwise, we're just spinning our wheels and just uh, wasting time. Mm-hmm. And and like like you're saying again, Decentraland did a lot of things right. They had the SDK. It allowed developers to come in and start making content. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also have to take, you know, those lessons learned as well as like what did work about Decentraland and what didn't mm-hmm. and figure out like what, you know, how would you do it better, right? If you had 800,000 chances, I man, how would you change what Decentraland did mm. so that, you know, it has a, you know, a, an improved outcome, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is not easy. Mm-hmm. 
So, uh, so yeah, I, I think let's, let's call it here, guys. We've been here for about hour 20 or so. Um, I really appreciate you guys for joining. This is going to be one of those conversations that are, is ongoing. I want to have another one of these once we, I, I don't know, breach the next step in the bitmap ecosystem, or mm -hmm. maybe if there's like another roadblock in the way to, to us actually getting there. Uh, I think this could serve just like for all of us, since we're all <clears throat> passionate in building towards the same goals, right? Like it yeah. almost is like a group therapy session <laughs> through like times of like, yeah. yeah, everybody's spinning up these videos of like why we're all crazy or stupid, I guess yeah. on, on YouTube, they're getting tens of millions of views. Yeah. 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 Right. What was the one that was released like a week ago? It was like, like a, the, I spent a week in the metaverse or something. Yeah. And then there's another yeah, guy, he did, he did a whole hour long hit piece on Decentraland. It's yeah. like, damn dude, at certain moments, like we all need to kind of like bound together and be like, man, it's like we're not crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a little therapy session like this would be helpful for all of us, I feel like, because it does feel like, you know, the world is against what it is we're trying to do for whatever reason. But I, I, I always take that as a positive sign, usually. Yeah, yeah. you want to be one of the crazy ones because right. <laughs> that's where the action is. That's where the opportunities are. And, mm -hmm. I mean, that's why we're all sitting here in the virtual space, you know, trying to figure it out. Yeah, so in other words, when you, next time you guys do this, definitely send us an invite so we could yeah. jump in anytime. Well, can I can I leave everyone with with the thought? Um, mm -hmm. Sure. Something that I've noticed in my Web three experience, uh, like we all we all jumped in excited about Web three, and those of us who jumped in, like we're we're a small percentage of the world population. I, mm -hmm. I always like to say that like we're the sperm that that made it. You know, and, um, <laughs> nice. but at some point, like people, you get complacent and you stop exploring. Like we were crazy enough to dive into Web3 and then some, a lot of people got complacent and stopped exploring. They stopped at PFP, NFTs yeah. or, you know, uh, yes. and they, they still do Twitter spaces or they still even do, uh, what was that? Clubhouse? Mm -hmm. Clubhouse is the one before Twitter space. Like yep. they still do that. You know, it's like, and there's like. Now, people like us, the actual metaverse explorers, we're a small percentage of the Web3 <laughs> population. True. That's true. You know? and, and so it's very important, I think, to keep exploring. Don't get complacent. Keep looking. Mm. Don't get caught up on one platform and, and, and think that's the way. Because I think, I think we all know that um, perhaps the ultimate metaverse may not even exist yet, you know? Mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, and the first attempt is not necessarily going to be the one that uh, that wins out, right? So right. this is one of those things where we got to think think about the MVPs, build out those MVPs, test our assumptions, and if it doesn't work, we we test other assumptions until it does. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll definitely. I don't know. I like to say all contributions are welcome. That's like my new motto. <laughs> yeah. You know, so anybody who has any idea or any way to contribute, like never, never doubt yourself. Like, nah, this isn't, I don't know. Nobody's going to appreciate this because yeah. you never know. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> just, just throw it out there, you know? All right, guys. Uh, shout out to Pepe God. He came in here a little late. We're recording a Yo, podcast. Pepe's here. Our, our Lord Pepe. Um, Pepe God, one of the best parkour builders in Decentraland history, I think. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, really? <laughs> So I was here for the last, uh, or about 20 minutes. Yeah. No, that's cool, man. Um, right. Glad you can make it, dude. Yeah. Jen, I really appreciate your experience here and Morph as well. 
Yeah, dude. Uh, we I, again, we got to do this again. We got to go deeper into like the the technicals and and try to figure out like what what it what are the next steps? You know, besides identifying the operating system and what exactly have we learned from this experience building in in the metaverse for the last you know collectively you know thirty years that we've been here. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know what have we learned? What what mistakes shouldn't be made again? Right when selecting this operating system stack. And, um, and then, you know, how, how do we get developers involved in building, you know, content so that people, when they come here, they stick around. Mm-hmm. Right. Correct. So these are all like the tough, <coughs> tough things, but, uh, I really appreciate you guys for joining us on this podcast, man. Yeah. Thanks for having us. It's been a good convo. Yeah, man. And, um, yeah, I think more devs cross platforms should gather and, uh, that's, the kind of events that we tend to foster, just bringing together yeah. uh, builders and makers across the metaverse. Agreed. Any last thoughts, Morph? No, I'm just excited to see uh, where this space goes. Like I said, I love Bitcoin and I love metaverse. So yeah, it's cool to see these spaces coming together. Excellent. All right, guys, um, that's it for us. I really appreciate you for, for watching and, and joining us here in this conversation. If you have any thoughts, definitely let us know in the comment section below. And then all the links for everybody is are going to be in the description below. Just uh, make sure you guys help me out with, uh, you know, your Twitter accounts, anything that you want to uh, for, for the audience to kind of like click through and kind of learn. Um, just put it in, the, in our Discord uh, chat that we have. And, um, and that's it. Make sure, um, I guess you follow us on our Twitter accounts as well. And that's, that's, that's it for us. Never leave the metaverse, dude. Shout yeah. out, shout out Neb. Yeah. <laughs> All, All right, right, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.